0: Welcome to the pseudo show on Sunrise Robot. This is episode 23, and I'm your host, Michael Edwards. On this episode, we're joined by professor of music business Storm Glor. Storm spent over 14 years in the music business and along the way has learned the ins and outs of record stores, distribution deals, labels, and artists, a job that took him around the world into countless shows. After his career in the industry, Storm switched to academia, where he teaches classes on music business and researches the elements of successful artists and other trends in music. Storm is an immense fan of music, with a bafflingly large CD and vinyl collection lining the walls of his residence, along with hundreds of gigabytes of digital music on his computer. Storm joins the podcast to discuss how he fell into this line of work, and also to talk about his recent presentation at the Denver Music Summit about the future of music. Without further ado, let's get to it. So Storm, thank you for joining the podcast. Hey, it's my pleasure to finally be on one. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to to talk to you about uh, your recent presentation. Uh, For which event was that? It was the Denver Music Summit. Right. Um, But I I do think it would be nice to hear a little bit of background before we get into um, the future of music and the past of music and how that all relates. And really just, uh, I'd love to hear just a little color on like, did you know you wanted to work in music pretty early in life? Was that an early passion for you?
1: Yes, it sure was. I think I was eight years old when I went into a record store in Illinois and bought my first record. And what fascinated me was understanding why some records sold better than others. At that time, I bought Paul McCartney's Band on the Run album, and everybody else was buying it, but I saw the other records in the bin and thought, why doesn't, why don't, why don't people buy that Frank Zappa record? It looks interesting. <laughs> yeah, and so at eight years old, I started trying to figure out what was popular and following the hit songs. Uh, and at fourteen or fifteen, I started subscribing to Billboard magazine, and then I learned why some were successful and some were not. And then I actually got to apply that in my career uh, and actually try to predict which ones will sell well.
0: Yeah, so, how, so you worked in the industry for a while, and, and what was your path in there, and, and what kinds of stuff were you doing?
1: Well, I started working at a record store, and really it was a record, a music, video, and bookstore combined, and um, I started managing a store after that, and then, to cut to the chase, eventually I was director of music for the whole chain of stores, and that involved... Meeting with record labels, meeting new artists, meeting veteran artists, uh, all the while trying to ascertain how well their records are going to sell and how much how much we should buy to sell in the stores, and that allowed me to get to know how the labels worked and and to work within the industry on committees and things like that, which expanded my horizons I guess you'd say mm-hmm. from just selling the music to understanding how to market it
0: and it just sounds like that would be a fascinating combination of not just like pure economics but there there's the art and the the, the culture and the zeitgeist involved that probably flavors that a lot more than just spreadsheets and numbers
1: absolutely <laughs> absolutely and that's that's part of the gamble that I liked um, in in that position. I can tell you, for instance, that as much of the spreadsheeting, as you mentioned, you do, the beauty of what I did and what I still do is that you can hear something and it resonates with you and you understand how it might resonate with other people. I, I remember one day I was at the office and it was pretty common for me to receive a box of 20 or 30 CDs each day.
0: And uh, and and I'll have to include a picture of of all your CDs and yeah. the show notes, just.
1: most of which I still have. And um, and anyway, I you know it was a bit of overkill, but I was so I would just pop one in the the stereo and listen to them as background music. And I remember hearing this one particular cd that just sounded really good and the singer sounded very talented so i actually looked at the cd and it was a woman named nora jones who had a new album coming out in march and i thought wow this is this is really something and i took it to the ceo of the company and said are you hearing this too and lo and behold it resonated with everyone and that was one of the best parts of my job when you could To identify that. And in in my case, I made it pay off by buying in a whole lot of Nora Jones CDs before it came out and buying more than we would have ever anticipated. And lo and behold, it took off, and I look like a hero, right? Because I can recognize those things. Jedi. But I can also (laughs) tell you that when Capitol came to us and said they've got this new Beatles 1 record where they're going to put all the Beatles number 1s together, I remember distinctly saying, That'll never sell. Everybody always ha- already has those songs. Why would they just want right all of those songs? And I was eating humble pie. You know, the first week when we had to order thousands more for our stores because everybody bought it. And I, you know, so because everyone has them across like ten albums. is mean, <laughs> yeah, I, album. I, I know. I,
0: <laughs> you know, oh well. Anyway, that was one of the best parts of my job. No, that's fascinating. And uh, was this also? part of a time in your life would you be meeting, you you mentioned meeting labels and artists. Um, Was this Mm -hmm. also like going on tours or or like um, going to special kinds of shows or was this mainly just?
1: No, no, really that was more, that involved more of literally meetings in rooms, listening to music. Um, However, if I was to uh, want to go see a particular artist, I would certainly try to, and that would help my knowledge, and the record labels were more than willing to make that happen mm. as well. but um, they would also showcase artists and we'd go to conventions uh, you know and and see these artists, and we'd certainly mm. get um, wined and dined with artists and things like that they're they're in the business of selling, and I didn't complain about that <laughs> but uh, right. but that more than anything uh kept me so- sort of in tune. And I know it sounds, I don't know, like, yeah, right. But <laughs> if I actually got to meet an artist, it could tell me a lot about what they believe in in terms of the record, you know, where the record... It gives me the story and the background. And there was sometimes I actually met and talked with the artist and decided, you know what, I don't think this thing is going to sell. <laughs> and so literally, it wasn't, you know treated as just a you know being wine and nine, it was actual business
0: so, right yeah and so as if this wasn't enough of a, a career spending how many years doing this kind of work in the music biz 10 I, years uh, about 14 14 years that. yeah um you've since transitioned to higher ed um still doing music business but now as a professor and teaching and working with students and so how did that sort of career shift happen
1: well, it, I would say I, I normally share the one step of the story, but uh, actually, it, I was in Dallas one weekend, and a friend of mine told me about this website called Napster, where you can get all this all of your music free and not pay for it. And, and coincidentally, kind of alarm, coincidentally it? that guy was in the same business I was in, And so we were both sort of like, "This is kind of worrisome," right? Yeah. And I went back home and checked out Napster. And I think I'm past the statute of limitations, <laughs> right. right? But I've checked out Napster and um, I was, you know, immediately struck that this was going to definitely change the business we I was in, you know. So I can't say that I wasn't somewhat worried and, and knowing that I better think about, you know, how this affects mm-hmm. my career. Um, and I did. Quit my Napster. I, I didn't use Napster <laughs> again, but I checked it out, and and uh, lo and behold, uh, just after nine eleven, I was invited to speak at a university by a friend of mine who used to work in the industry. And I, when she said that she had a music business program she taught in, that was so foreign to me. I thought, what people teach what the, the business, you know, and in, in college you you get course credit, you can get a degree. And all that, but anyway, I came to speak of her to her class, and that's when uh, I was, you know, when I was up in front of those students. Um, I always joke that the clouds above parted, the light shone down right. almost like that scene in the Blues Brothers, you know, where they before they say, I'm getting the band back together, you yeah. know, it's just <laughs> that realization that this, this feels right. Um, so uh, that's when I started looking at the field of music business education in higher education and saw that it was very fascinating how, you know, you actually can help students get um, get more knowledge of the business before they get out there as musicians or as business people. Anyway, the, the key is the help word there. I could actually help other people instead of, you know, just trying to sell stuff. And that began a career shift that... That landed me where I am. Nice.
0: And you brought up Napster, and I think this might be a nice time to shift towards uh, your recent presentation on the future of music. And uh, I guess to, to frame my question about this is um, it seems like every once in a while there is one of these technologically driven, at least in the past couple decades. Um, you know, people are saying, oh, this is going to change music forever, whether it's Napster, whether it's the iPod and iTunes, whether it's now free streaming through like Spotify and all these things. And uh, the thing I'm noticing is how much technology is inseparable from music now more than ever. And um, I guess my broad question is, does Silicon Valley own the future of music? <laughs> um, <laughs> Are artists forever going to be negotiating with Apple and technology companies for their, their place?
1: Yes, to a much larger extent, but not necessarily the people who work it. You know, in the Valley and all of that right. in, in Silicon Valley, it's more of the what they create, and the record companies have to learn to play within that playground. Just as Steve Jobs sort of stepped in and said to the record industry, I can make you a better mousetrap and I'm just going to do it. Mm -hmm. And at first they were looking at it as, you know, something that was threatening their livelihood and the next thing they were doing, they were embracing it. Well, it's the same thing that happened when radio started playing music shows. The record industry is like, wait a second, how can you do that? And then 10 years later, they're paying them, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to get their songs on the air. So, I still think it takes it's a symbiotic thing between technology, but the people who are still going to run the content, manage the content, and and well, literally own it. Yeah, you know. uh, So
0: and uh, so the most recent of these supposed revolutionizers of music is the streaming platforms. And do you think anyone's really figured out? That is Spotify, I mean, it seems, I was looking up some articles and Spotify keeps reporting losses and it's kind of like, is anyone going to make this work? Someone will.
1: And I don't know that it will be Spotify. And if I did know who it would be, I would probably be be sitting in a much bigger house right now, (laughs) you know, and all of that. And yeah, I'd, I'd buy stock. But I think, you know, Amazon wasn't the first Online bookseller um, and iTunes wasn't the first download store, and and in fact, Spotify, you know, I, I wasn't the first streaming service. It right. was Rhapsody years before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a timing element involved when it clicks. You Facebook know, so wasn't to speak. the first social network. <laughs> Facebook, what? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, these these first entrants all aren't always the winners, and uh, the Spotify model has worked so well in Sweden you know, where it was created, because, uh, you know, for instance, in in Sweden, there's massive usage and massive adoption because it's part of their phone bill. Oh, yeah. You know, so Swedish folks are just, you know, they they don't even notice it. If if you've ever taken a close look at your cell bill, I mean, there are so many, there's the, the, the base charges, and then there's all these little fees. Well, they don't even... Notice yeah. it, right? But we in the United States have a you know this separate these separate entities which aren't speaking to each other in those terms of how we can work together. Mm-hmm. Well, so what I'm saying is if that ever happened, if it got to be something where we could bundle in with a bunch of other services, that could be huge. Whatever company right. makes that happen. Um and then title you know, entered the the picture, and...
0: Yeah, what do you make a title?
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, just coming from Economics 101, competition is always going to make the, you know, raise raise all boats, as they say. Oh, yeah, the 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 tide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) whatever, I'm
0: not up on my... Well, that's a good metaphor for title, (laughs)
1: Yeah, ah, yes, (laughs) that's true, good job. But anyway... Uh, so it's great that they're trying something else, you know, with the two tiered options, with without a free um, tier, yeah. you know, and that's going to test the market. Um, now, would I invest in Title? No, because I don't think what they have to offer, at least in its present form, will work. But with Jay Z uh, involved with Live Nation and Madonna also involved with Live Nation, I, I could sense that I think. He may have even done this already. He's, he, I think he had a show or, or a, a private show, maybe, but anyway, what you could see is a tie-in with live music, for instance, from Title, where you can only, you, get, um, you get to pre-sale, you get a title pre-sale on big shows, um, from you get artists. an extra day or two to buy tickets. Yeah, or extra like day or two to buy tickets, because I don't think exclusive content is the real win that everybody thinks it will be. Yeah. Um, you know, er, 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 as soon as someone yeah, It might a, just
0: mean you get tiny exposure. <laughs> yes, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, the best, the, yeah, the best as a marketing tool, the the exclusive content just, you know, hey, we've got exclusive con- content from artists you've never heard of X. Yeah. It, it, at the very least, you've never heard of them, and you'll go check them out on Spotify for free. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So there's, you can't ever measure the true effect of having exclusive content hmm. first anyway. But it'll get out anyway. So right. I don't think that will separate – that will put them any further ahead. And then if Apple gets into the game with Beats – well, I mean, they, Beats already exists, but right. if they – They're revamp you know, or Revamp they're it in a way. I don't – everyone thinks that that might – that no yeah. one can compete with Apple, but then I would say, well, what about their social network? Yeah, what Ping. Was yeah,
0: ping. Um, look was at a that. Flop.
1: And what about iTunes Radio, which many people don't use? Yeah, so, no one cares about it. Yeah, it just gets in the way on your screen now. So, um, <laughs> so, so I, I think the the uh, we don't have the winner yet. And I don't. I, I'm not. I, I the only. Big problem. I like Spotify as a as a, a consumer, but the biggest problem I have with it is really I'm at the level in my musical taste where they don't really have most of the stuff I want to really hear. Yeah. Um. So um. So every one of them has their drawbacks, and yeah. someone will come along and correct
0: all those things. Yeah, it seems like as much of a cultural a problem or maybe it's not a problem but a cultural thing to figure out as as technology or one
1: thing i would bet my best two pay on and i guess you can't <laughs> see that to get, to get that joke well on a podcast but um the uh the fact is streaming is definitely uh getting lots of votes from the consumer base i mean it's it's clear that we like to stream music now we like yeah. it much more for free
0: that's for right. sure
1: but History has shown us that no matter what, consumers will always gravitate toward the easiest thing for them to do. And streaming is so easy, uh, you know. I, I I joke to I joke at the presentation I did. I in fact joked that we keep thinking that it can't get any easier. In the days of the development of the phonograph. People thought there was nothing. There's, there's no way you could out out outdo this. I remember when the compact disc came out. Going to remember, I subscribed to Billboard, so I go to my high school class and I tell them, "Okay, we have the ultimate, (laughs) you know, ultimate delivery mechanism for music." And I also remember throwing vinyl records in the garbage can, literally (laughs) at the record store I worked at because they said this this stuff doesn't sell. So it's funny how just making that transition from where i just have to slip a cd in and i can skip a track rather than have no, to remember, get up and move yeah. the needle or flip over a record was really the win for the cd and 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 now that i don't even have to go to the store i don't even have, that's downloading but now that i don't even have to i can listen to music on command on demand yeah. immediately yet <laughs> Uh, and there, and it's funny, there's a Sony executive who, a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to almost, you know, I bookmarked the quote where he said, I believe we have reached the point of the ultimate delivery mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, everybody has said Everyone that. Everyone says that over and over. Yeah. Then at the same time, uh, I mean, not the same time, a week later, there was a report of a scientist who has now figured out how to put Music into DNA or onto cells, right? And, so and like molecular storage, yeah, molecular. So and you're and you're sitting there thinking, okay. <laughs> Funny as it sounds, yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I bet it won't be too many years before we have terabytes on our phone. And oh yeah, like, like right now the push is, oh, we don't have that much storage. We want to stream. But that could swing back someday where it's like, no, I want to have everything locally again. Yeah. And you, yeah. you never know how that's gonna go. Well that's yeah. fascinating. Um and I guess while we're we're talking about business models, there's also just as artists, there's there's um kind of a return to some direct patronage models. Or I don't know if they um went away, but like, you know, people are using Patreon and Indiegogo and Kickstarter and all these things mm-hmm. to, to try to fund their careers um through direct Donations, and I don't know if this mm. is. I mean, I, I guess you wouldn't see a AAA artist doing this much, but unless they had a, a weird project they wanted to try to crowdfund. Um, but I don't. You have any comments on on these kinds of approaches to? Oh, we can't sell digital songs anymore because people want to stream them, so we got to find other ways to to make a living with this.
1: Well, uh, yes, I think it it will continue to be. Recordings will continue to be less and less of a percentage of an artist's revenue streams. And I I don't think anyone would call me any bit of a unique prophet in that sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they surely have to get creative in the way they acquire funds. But the, the Patreon and all the crowdfunding models, I, I consider really a fad more yeah. than anything. Um, and not, not to diss, they're great models, and it's a great way to uh, To to raise money or, or to make money, but I think uh, it's hit its it's hit its peak. You know, with the Amanda, Amanda Palmer right. release and everything, it more people probably jumped on the bandwagon when they heard all that. You know, all that she had done with it, um, and yet on the other side of the equation, you've got consumers, fans, whatever you want to classify them as, who after they've donated to their you know, 30th album release and n- figured out that they've never listened to any <laughs> yeah. of the, you know, records or they never hung that autographed picture that they right. got for giving money or, you know, that it really didn't do much for them at yeah. one point. I think there'll be the hangover effect. And once you've also supported two or, an artist for two or There's three albums, amount. then the fourth, you know, it's like, well, you know what, I've moved on, and don't get me stu- that's a whole nother study in itself. Yeah. I, I've done research, and it, artists come and go and so do tastes. So anyway, my long that was a long way of saying <laughs> that that particular model, I think, is going to, you know, yeah. it'll stabilize. But artists are going to have to continue to be uh, very smart at how they make money, not just from creative merchandise. Which will certainly have to be part of the game. Uh, In fact, I referred to the local band, well, national now, in the Whale, right? Who sold ugly sweaters during the Christmas season? So they produced uh, in the Whale ugly sweaters. So there you have something that people can wear to the party, the ugly sweater sweater party, party, you know. And I think there was, you know, again, I don't quote me on this, and you'd have to talk to them to get the facts. But you know, they, I think they sold out. And
0: you know you're like voila, that's but awesome. you don't want 500 bands making ugly sweaters, right?
1: <laughs> and it's just like no one remembers the the you know Radiohead let people name their price for in rainbows. In rainbows. But tell me the fourth artist that did that. Tell me the fifth artist. No, that did no one, that. you know it's, no one who cares, <laughs> right? So yeah, so artists have to be strategic in that you know they uh, they do that and then move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing they have to do is understand the system. There's a songwriter uh, whose name escapes me right off, but he um, figured out that when things happen in the news, people Google them, right? You know? Well, what he's done is he's written a song about them. Yeah. So he puts a video out on YouTube or is puts a song out different than the auto-tune
0: there. the news people?
1: Well, <laughs> hey, that's...
0: Um,
1: yeah, yeah. So, so what he, in a sense, does is... Uh, So, I, I don't know, like, I, I'm i trying to think of a news item. So, uh, someone says that they had an affair with a politician, right? So, he will make a song about her. So, when people start Googling her name, a parody video about her, I mean, he just writes a quick ditty. So, people are like, oh, I'm going to click on that. Yeah. And he's going to generate a royalty, yeah. right? So, all of a sudden, this guy just writes hundreds of songs that, yeah, so what I'm saying is he understands the
0: system. Yeah, he, he understands found, found what, an angle to strike at. Yeah, people are Googling
1: names. I'm going to make some money off of it, yeah, and like, I'm still a
0: musician. Is, this is where the attention is going, so I'm right. going to capitalize on that. Yeah, but, but to
1: do that, he has to understand the licensing system, uh, search engine optimization, things like that that the traditional musician would not probably... Mm-hmm. You know, be fully versed on. So,
0: and you you bring up licensing, so I'm kind of uh, wondering: uh, is there any new evolution in, in how licensing is working? Because traditionally, you know, it's ads, it's placement in film and TV shows, and is there any new developments in in the way music licensing is working? Well, there's probably more developments
1: in the way it's not working, <laughs> I guess, in the sense that you know we're we're still uh, fighting, you know, in courts, courtrooms. Throughout the country and even in 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 d c about the royalty rates that should be paid to online companies like pandora and and then there 's the confusion right. about um, well it 's not confusion I guess the dilemma that artists are making pennies from getting thousands of streams on spotify right and they don 't realize or, or many people don 't realize that. There's money being paid by Spotify. It's just that the content owners, i.e., record labels, are intercept, Yeah, are getting in the way of that, and and so I think there's just a lot of confusion and lack of understanding more than anything. And then again,
0: yeah, I do see people have, blaming Spotify for that all right, the time.
1: Right, right. And I'm not saying they're paying the, You know, Spotify would also say, "Look, we're trying to get a streaming business going. If you work with us now and get, you know." 200 million more consumers on it. We'll be paying you lots of money, but for right now, help us make a profit. As you yeah. said earlier, they're not even to that point. So there's just, when it comes to licensing, and, and, you know, there was just a court case that was settled by Universal just a few weeks ago where it was determined that a download was, um, you know, it, it was. They had to still determine whether a download was a performance or, right. or a digital, you know, license. So there's still so much confusion and out there.
0: Some of our our legal history may need to be updated. Uh, oh, absolutely. The, the ideas behind yeah. what these things mean for the, for the new era. Um, just have yeah. a sort of rapid fire thing. I, I I can't help but ask if you have any thoughts you would want to offer on the Robin Thick Marvin Gay. Um lawsuit in-
1: and <laughs> oh sure yeah well uh, the, the I think that case brought to light something that was already happening if 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 it wouldn't have been taken to the level that it was you know even with the uh, the songwriters preempting I don't know the legal word for it but they went ahead and. And took action before they even got sued, yeah. right? Which was, you know, pre- preemptive. I don't know what the word is. I'm not, that's not my specialty. But mm-hmm. anyway, they made a big deal out of something, and their appearance in court, even their testimony, you know, brought to light a lot of bad things about the music industry, but yet this kind of stuff happens every day. I, I guess what I'm saying is there are so many songs that you hear on the radio right now that have copied,
0: essentially...
1: Another yeah. song, but isn't that or, like,
0: a troublesome thing to to try to define? Because I mean, I can think of you know there was a Tom Petty's thing this year too, wasn't there? Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, or Sam in, Smith in the past, like Cat Stevens and Flaming Lips, or mm-hmm. um, right. I think Coldplay and someone. But
1: and the classic George Harrison,
0: yeah, my sweet lord, and like yeah. how dangerous you can get to with this Marvin Gaye one. It was troubling to me because it was like a groove. Now, now mm-hmm. we can say grooves are like. Like now, like how far away are we from? Oh, this genre was copied. Sorry, you yeah. can't play in this genre. I <laughs> think you know, uh, not
1: to go at you directly, but I think that kind of thinking is alarmist. It's yeah, it, it, no, it's not going to get that bad. You know, I the the funny thing with with that case to me personally was when I first heard the song. I said, Oh, that's pretty cool that they're sampling Marvin Gaye because got to give it up was it was it debuted the first the first time I ever listened to Casey Kasem, that was the debut song on the so I held a special yeah. place for that song and I love it. But I just thought, oh, that's cool that they sampled Marvin Gaye. And in my music business mind, I envisioned, you know, the songwriting listed as, you know, Robin Thick, Pharrell Williams and Marvin Gaye, you know, right. or whoever, then, you know. I just assumed that. So for me to even just get that, and you yeah. know, i I was surprised when I found out they hadn't given him credit. Right. You know, it was so obvious. Um, but I don't hear that. I, I don't think
0: we'll get. You don't think it's going to get. I that don't back? think
1: it will get to that extreme. What? What? Without going too far into it, the the uh, the study I did that was recently published about um, brand. Name mentions in popular song oh, lyrics right. meant to to do that research. I had to listen to fifteen hundred songs over the past from from over the past sixty years, and I had to listen to them very closely. And what I did notice as I was listening to the songs of nineteen sixty, and then progressing to the songs of two thousand eleven, you know, it was so obvious to me that what what everybody's basically copying what everybody else is doing in a sense in the brand name in, 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 in the in you in the in the use of brand names for instance everybody just started seeing it as a trend yeah and what what's really weird is i even started noticing the trends in the number of words used in songs in the way the choruses were shaped and all that, so I think everybody is really sort of mm-hmm. working. You know, producers are looking are in the studio with the artists and saying, "Well, this worked for them, so we're going to do right. this." He's
0: trying to get some science out of yeah. The they art they, of they the don't movie. all get
1: in a room, right? And right. say, "This year we're all going to make." <laughs> you know, like for instance, last year, this previous year, there were so many songs with one word in a title, right? Yeah. So, no, people didn't all get together and say, we're only going to use one word. <laughs> what they do is they see that there's a hit song with one word as the title yeah. and I'm going to do this. And before long, the formula, as it appears to be, yeah, is the, the current that, formula. right? So you could almost say we're always, quote, unquote, copying.
0: Right. So I'll have to include a link to this because this was in the USA Today, wasn't it? Oh. Um, this report, oh, yeah, the research, um, yeah. and it, it was a fascinating report because it was not just brand names, but also I think there was a bit about artists were saying their own names in their songs mm-hmm. more. And uh, you think the motivation was like DJs spinning these songs? Like it was more likely someone would know who the song was by. Yeah, it was self marketing. Yeah,
1: then in, in some cases because you needed to because no one else, uh, i.e., a DJ, wasn't helping. Oh
0: yeah, lack of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lack of DJ. Yeah, yeah, lack
1: or lack of DJ, but.
0: Yeah, there was
1: there was a comparison with that in the study.
0: So, um to shift gears a little bit more, I think there's a couple more angles that would be fun to explore. Um Social media seems to be kind of inseparable from successful music work these days, too. Is that controversial to say, you think? Or, no, no, no. Um, and maybe we could shift to the, the, the practical side instead of the, the full-on theoretical, what's going on. And what advice would you have for um, aspiring musicians working out? What kinds of things should they be paying attention to or trying to, to figure out?
1: When it comes to social media?
0: yeah. I would
1: say that th- there's a fundamental purpose behind social media for the um, the services themselves, and then there's a fundamental purpose of social media for people who use yeah, it, the end user. And the two are ves- are very different. the 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 people who run Facebook or any other social network or Twitter, mm-hmm. they're trying to draw you to the. Talk more, to do more, to share more, all that, so that they can sell advertising. Right. On the other hand, um, there's the artist who, you know, is almost convinced that they have to be on a service and they have to participate just to be there, to be on these to things, exist in the minds yeah. of people, and um, and then so they do the minimum required work just to have a Facebook page or have a, uh, you know, a, um. A Flickr account. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm at a loss right now for the services. Help me, Mike. It's probably but, not Google Plus. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably. Not. But, but what I'm saying is, th- at the end of the day, if you you've got to as a musician and artist, you got to understand that what your fans want at a live show and what your fans out want out of your recording is the same thing the fans want out of social media, and that's to to. See what you have to say, to hear what you're doing, to to be entertained, right? You know, and all of that, and but they want you to be people,
0: yeah. They you want know, you to and, be real, and and, and,
1: <laughs> and social media, which is kind of a funny word, yeah. is so anti-social. Um, I yeah, you know, in my marketing class, I always refer to a. I always say that the, the true book on how to use social media was written 70, 80 years ago, and that was "How to Win Friends and Influence People" mm-hmm. by Dale Carnegie. and in one of the principles in that book is let others talk about themselves, get other people to talk, you know yeah, and don't talk all the time about yourself. but what do people get what do
0: artists get on social media do and talk? Yeah.
1: Hey, you we're know, playing a show. Hey, we're you're playing, playing a show. show hey, come to my show. Come to my show, or buy this. My new album. You out might and as well be
0: the guy in the street handing flyers that no one wants.
1: Right, right. <laughs> and whereas, if it was really social media, you would be actually asking people, "What do you think? Is there a town I should play?" You right. know, uh, or I'm coming to, I'm going to be playing Denver. What's a great place to eat a late night breakfast? You know, you should be getting them to talk
0: to you. And, yeah. and it's not, so and anyway, That's a classic we, marketing technique anyway. Questions invite yeah, interest and attention.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but because artists, you know, can't ha- possibly have the time to do all this stuff, you know, it's it's very easy to just say, come to my show.
0: Yeah. You know, or just to have a bot that auto publishes this generic, terrible. Right.
1: Exactly, and then you know the 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 there's even the idea that um, um, social media has various um, uh, trends in terms of the volume of activity and posting about your upcoming show on um, Friday afternoon at four p.m. You know, po- or sharing something on Twitter about your. Upcoming show on Friday at four PM. You might as well be, you know, (laughs) saying that to the sound of chirping crickets, right? You know, so you've there's so much you got to understand beyond just being involved, yeah, being on it. But yet, the companies who are advertising aren't going to help you do that. I mean, you just got to learn. Yeah,
0: I definitely. I think people are very quick to identify. Like, you know, there's lots of bands I like, and it's very quick. I can tell. Oh, this is a band that's like they're real people on this service mm-hmm. versus the ones that are basically it's just an RSS feed of their shows or you know or just reposting articles. But yeah, and it's just like um, I'm not going to follow you because you're not a person. You're just some weird robot that's just spitting yeah. things out. Yeah, and I think people are very attuned to that and very quick to to get away from the noise and and to stay with the the ones that are seem like real people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So th- there are a lot of new opportunities, and I guess maybe for the, the final question to not to go out on a downer, what's the bad news about the the state of the the music industry? Is there anything that's more difficult now than it used to be? The bad news is well there's, there's lots of bad news.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all know that, and it unfortunately gets the most press. But I would say the worst of the bad news is that the competition is so incredible and it's going to get worse. And when I talk about competition, I'm not talking about the fact that everybody and their dog is picking up a, a, a mixer now and and calling themselves a DJ and and hitting play right. for three hours to a mix they made. I, I guess everybody's suddenly a musician and, um, and they can share their content and open up a, you know... A, yeah, distribution a, has
0: been democratized. Yeah, yeah,
1: they can open up a SoundCloud account and start sharing and all of that. I'm not talking about that competition, Oh, only that competition. It's the competition, I think you said something about it. There's so much noise. It's competition for attention right now. I mean, even to get someone to open your email. Which is but, finite. Yeah, and and when people are getting more email than ever... Um, it's competition there. It's competition at a festival when there are 150 other bands playing, you know, or, or 10 of them at the same time, and one of them's, you know, a platinum-selling artist. So, you know, it's, it's just, you're, you're, it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle. It, it's much easier to get lost in the shuffle.
0: Yeah. You could have really great music, and for any number of other reasons, it may not work out.
1: Right, right. And... um The the corollary to that worst of the bad news is that means you're going to have to work so much harder um, than ever before. And there are plenty of stories out there of people who don't do the work and all of a sudden find themselves in the spotlight. A couple of years ago, there was that guy, Bauer, who did that Harlem Shake song. That all of a sudden he's got the number one song in the country, and you're like, "Who is this?" And all of a sudden, a record label is trying to sign him, and everybody jumps on, and everything. And it was so, you know, out of left field. But where is Bauer now? Right.
0: Isn't that another study you did that most people don't get back to number one? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You're wondering, you know, what does this? Where does this guy get all these ideas for
1: these research ideas? Yeah, I study. I figured out. Definitively, what the rate of one-hit wonder is, and it's forty-eight percent. If you want to okay. not so have to read the half, paper, right? you know, it's just about half that. Uh, and I mean, think about that. I mean, you, you're already, you know, you're guaranteed you're not. But then, um, you know, there's a large majority of those one-hit wonders who, you know, the way I did it, I did the national charts. So mm-hmm. you could say, well, that's you know, not for everyone, but. It, it's there are so many artists who you you will never hear of again that had one album on the national charts for one week and that was their career one week yeah. right so a large percentage of those forty eight percent one hit wonders had only seven days right <laughs> to bask in that sunlight and 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 um, so there's lots sad. of other stats out there. Still longer just, than the
0: Andy Warhol prediction. <laughs> yeah, yeah That's still where we're longer headed, than though, the 15 right?
1: minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating to me um, how quickly things can happen, but if there's anything that I gathered from analyzing the careers of these artists, and by the way, that research is still going, shameless plug, but there'll be yeah. a research paper come out where I actually have analyzed what types of artists you know, tended to have the longevity and in almost every case it's it was they had this period where they I either worked very hard or had small successes for a long time yeah in other words they were far from overnight successes
0: that lasted longer I think there's even a Steve Jobs quote about that that most overnight successes aren't <laughs> oh yeah, good
1: point. Oh, I like that. I no, not yeah. heard that.
0: Most of them yeah. are years of hard work. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a uh, couple of
1: years ago when I was at the Grammys and the the group Fun FUN period uh, uh, um accepted their Grammy for best new artist. Yeah. Said, "We've been working on this for 12 years, you know, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like new artist," um right. and yeah, they the well, that That award in itself has had its controversies, but, uh, you know, people don't realize 12 years. Think about that. Have you ever worked on something for 12 years to finally have it come in and never given up? And, and, you know, that's a long time. That's, you know, for someone the age, I don't know their ages, but for that group of guys, I'd imagine that's a good portion of their
0: life. Yeah. And it finally happened for them. So, Yeah. Did you see the movie inside Lewin Davis, the Cohen Brothers movie? No, I did not I, you I need, need to see, to that movie. see it. I know that's on my list. well, this isn't a spoiler, but one of the the scenes in the movie is he's like back home, and his sister's like they're going through like really old childhood items for him, and mm-hmm. she finds a box with some of his original early recordings. Because, you know, he's an aspiring musician. And he says, ah, no one wants to see that stuff. You have to preserve the mystery. It has to seem like you just appeared fully formed as this amazing artist. Yeah, Yeah. And, um, you know, later in the movie, he totally regrets throwing out that stuff. And he's, he's like, ah. Yeah. And reaching back and wishing he still had it. But I mean, there is that sense. I have seen some musicians. It's like they pretend as if they, you know, this is my debut album. And I'm like, I know you've released, like, six albums. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is your debut, and I get it. Like, It's it's nicer to the listener to be like, this is a brand new thing. Yeah, and discount everything you've done before. Sure. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. I'll have to say that.
0: <laughs> Definitely check it out. Well, um, any last words? Any any words of wisdom or, or uh, things you would say to musicians? We talked about social media, but just... Uh,
1: well, I... You you know we talked a few minutes ago about the the bad news in the music industry. Well, I it would I would be remiss if I didn't remind anyone I talk to whenever I give these you know dark <laughs> perspectives of of where things are going. I always remind them that you know music consumption is bigger than ever and. I cannot think of a year that has gone by where it's been reported, I know it hasn't happened, that there are less that people are consuming music less than the year before. It and I would bet again my best to pay that it will continue to be that way from here on out. I just how how many of your friends have said that they listen to less music than last year? Um, and and true, they could have had things happening in their lives. Right. So maybe not last year. But how many of them have said, "I'm you know what? I'm going to listen to less music." How many of them have said, "You know what? I've got enough music. I'm good. I don't yeah. want to go to another show. I don't want to hear another." Uh, you know, no one stops and says, "I don't want
0: more." Yeah. Um, it's like I, I'm done eating food. I'm good. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And and uh, and you know, my point is that. More and more people are listening to music, and that's going to continue. I guarantee it. And more, the more services that we have that get people access to music, those people who have free Spotify accounts, you do have to consider the fact that they weren't buying music. Yeah. You know, now they're at least listening, and that's progress. If we provide a new way, whatever the technology is, a new way for them to listen to music and access it, uh, that everybody wins. And um, I expect it to continue. Music's, you know, again, there are more and more um, uh, dollars spent. There are more and more, there's more and more time spent online listening to music. All the signs indicate that.
0: Yeah. It's the the good news well that seems like as as positive and good a note to go out on as any Um, so I want to thank you so much for coming on the pseudo show Storm well thank you for having me yeah thank you for listening to the pseudo show please check out the show notes at sunriserobot.net slash pseudo show slash 23 for links to the articles mentioned in this episode while you're at it, you can subscribe to catch all the new episodes right when they're released. If you're inclined, you can support The Pseudo Show and all the other great shows on the Sunrise Robot Network by heading to our Patreon at patreon.com sunriserobot. As always, special thanks to our top Patreon sponsors, Bruce Edwards and Andreas Lange. All right, see you next episode where we'll talk to Sarah Brown of the indie folk act Smoke and Honey about her debut album.